Good evening, everyone. I'm Tom Green, and I'll be your host for tonight's Fee Brown Bag. We're going to be discussing IT DevOps using the vRealize Lifecycle Manager. And to present that, we have Brian Halter. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, as always, we're a live show, and we enjoy questions and participation. So if you're watching, you can ask questions in the question box. Uh, if you are on Twitter, you can tweet the hashtag vbrombag and I'll be watching. You can also tweet at any of our handles at vbrombag, uh, vbrombag Latin Brazil EMC. Uh, this is the U.S. show. We are live every uh, Wednesday at 7.30 Central, though we're not the only show. To get a full schedule, go to vbrombag.com slash brownbags and uh, see what's coming up next. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Brian. Brian, you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the uh, great introduction, Tom. And uh, if I can present, I'll uh, jump into our, our material. All right. I'm handing it over to you now. Got it. So yeah, thanks for the, the introduction. Um, just by way of, of introductions, I'm Brian Halter, Director of Engineering for the vRealize uh, Suite Lifecycle Manager, and uh, joining me tonight for a, a demo and, and a technical deep dive is Bhavan, uh, one of my senior engineers. And so what we'd like to talk to, about tonight is um, IT DevOps, which is, is a, a topic that has a lot of opinions about what DevOps is. Um, somewhere between everything and nothing. Um, we're going to talk about where DevOps came from, how it's been applied to the software industry, how the, that parallels into, um, into IT, and then how VMware's um, vRealize Suite Lifecycle Manager helps implement that DevOps process for the vRealize Suite of products. Um, we'll talk about some of the maturity models from you know, the very basic things, crawl all the way up to extremely advanced things where we integrate the lifecycle manager with um, external products like Jira to help manage the software lifecycle of, of all the thing, wonderful things that um, vRealize can do. And then we'll cut to a demo where uh, Bobbin will show sort of our, our mid, middle of the road walk level um, maturity where we can manage all that content. Um, so starting out, you know, sort of at the beginning, talking about where, where software was. Um, and, and we were, you know, when I joined VMware, um, we, that was about six years ago, we were, um, just fresh off of the acquisition of dynamic ops and what would become the cloud automation center, uh, the realized automation. We had a mean time to delivery for change of about three weeks. Um, meaning that from the time that a developer, um, wrote up, coded up a change, um, to the time that it was. Um, built in the product that it was had been regression tested was about three weeks. That meant that we, you know, from the that the developer didn't really know that they were off the hook for a while. As a manager, I didn't know that a story was really done for for three weeks. Um, it meant also meant that we had really low agility um, in terms of of no being able to quickly iterate on features, being able to to quickly change what we were doing, um, that made it really hard. And so that also turns into a high bug rate because now I've built things on top of code that maybe wasn't correct. 
Um, and it also led to a lot of context switching, going back and fixing things that I thought were done two weeks ago, but it turns out they weren't. Um, so that's where, you know, sort of the DevOps discipline comes into the software side. Uh, and I'll talk about how this parallels into the IT side in a minute. Um, all the, the changes that you've seen in VMware being able to, to move towards being a more software as a service or SaaS based business with VMC, with cloud automation, uh, with cloud automation services that we announced at VMworld this year meant that we had to have a mean time to delivery of hours, not weeks. That mean, that means that we had, we had to have a high level of automation. We had to have a high level of repeatability. And so we had to build a release process around this where I can take a change and I can have functional testing, security testing, scale and performance, resiliency testing, um, all baked into the pipeline because those are the keys to delivering software from a developer into a service offering. Um, it means being able to take every change that we have and do testing on it, decide if that should be allowed to go out to my end users, to my consumers. I needed to have operational visibility to know what had actually been checked in, what had been pushed to production versus what was still in development. Um, and I needed to have a very low escape defect rate so that when we, when a developer checks in a change, they have the tools in front of them to know that that change is going to be good. We have the processes in place to know that that change is going to be good and it's not going to impact our end users. And so a lot of these are the same challenges that we talk about in IT, where if I'm, if I'm operating the realized automation as a self-service portal, I need to know that all of those applications that I can deploy, that they work and they're not going to cause an escalation for my consumers. I need to know that um, if I'm managing realized operations and I build a new dashboard or I build new alerts, that those are correct and that they'll trigger at the right time. I need to know if I'm uh, managing vCenter and I go and run, go and apply updates to a template, that that template gets correctly deployed so that I'm not introduced, not compromising the security posture or compromising a compliance aspect for my organization. And so that's where a lot of the, the principles and a lot of the techniques that we've had in the software side can be applied to the IT side. And that's where Lifecycle Manager is here to help. So talking about um, the vRealize suite, for folk, just to level set for folks who aren't as familiar with it, vRealize Automation and vRealize Orchestrator um, work together to be able to provision infrastructure, provision networks, and then customize that infrastructure and, and that infrastructure so that you can deploy applications easily. Um, one of the use cases that we'll get to in a little bit when we get talk about real life is we use vRealize Automation actually to deploy the vRealize suite for all of our dev test um, consumers. And, and this saves us a ton of time in the view and we'll get down to some real numbers later. Um, but it allows us to automate and standardize configuration and installation of applications. It allows us to apply policy-driven placement and governance so that people are provisioning into the right clusters, people are provisioning to the right data stores without having to know the details of all of those things. And it allows me to, to clean up the data center and minimize waste. So one of the things that my developers are great at is they're great at provisioning stuff. They're really bad at cleaning stuff up. Um, so we have leases and we have processes in place so that the machines that are idle get cleaned up. Um, v Realize Operations obviously provides 
data center, um, data center performance monitoring, and it also allows me to manage um, and highlight trouble spots. And I can also use it to manage individual applications and provide dashboards and charts. Um, so that's, that's, those are the two domains that we're, we're applying DevOps to, and that's why it's really important that we keep them going down the road uh, safely and well. Um, so are there any questions yet about what we're talking about or what we're going to get into later in the show? Nope, we're, uh, we're all clear. Cool. So <clears throat> taking vRealize automation and taking um, operations in at VMware in the CMBU, um, we actually use it for provisioning into five worldwide data centers. We have about 3,000 machines under management um, just in the cloud management business unit. We've got about 400 active users deploying dev test workloads, everything from uh, deploying vCenter clusters to being able to deploy um, VROps clusters, VRA clusters. Um, and so we typically do about 500 deployments a week. Um, and so looking at, at the time savings, just in terms of engineers not having to go deploy all those applications themselves, it comes out to be about 15 million bucks a year um, in economic impact. Uh, then you look at, at what else they get done and it's even higher, but, but you know, we'll go for the little numbers here. And so service outages here are really expensive. Um, what's worse is when they happen on weekends and you get someone who's trying to get a hot fix out and then they end up really grumpy. Um, so, you know, our goal is to provide, to be able to safely iterate on the automation platform, on the operations platform, be able to put out new service offerings, be able, and to be able to know that they're good, um, for our end users. And this is something that we're taking very seriously and, and we're using the lifecycle manager to get there. Um, so when we start out, look at, you know, how are we deploying application stacks? Right, so lifecycle managers started being able to manage content for VRA blueprints and VRO workflows. Um, in LCM 1.3, we added the ability to manage vCenter templates. And in the most recent 2.0 release, now we can manage a lot of VROps content. And so taking a basic application example, we have you know, blueprints for provisioning the infrastructure. We have workflows for customizing it. We have vCenter templates that are the basis of all of that. And then now we have um, VROps dashboards and alerts for all those applications that um, you can think of it as a single unit. I need to move from my dev environment all the way through to production um, to say that I have a service offering my users can consume. And so, you know, this is where the biggest things in, in for us are really, how do I know a change is safe? Right, so we can unit test that change, which means if it's a VRA blueprint, we can look at it and say, do all the properties meet best practices? Um, if it's a, a VRO workflow, um, we can even look at things like JS Lint to say, does do all the does all the JavaScript meet requirements? Um, we can even write tests that start to do deployments to make sure that. Um, that these things, that these artifacts work as they're intended. And then what about dependencies? Well, do I need to take the whole application stack and put it, move it to a staging environment? Do I need to do demos off of it? Do I need to coordinate the release from that dev environment and that sprint demo all the way through to the production environment? 
those are all things that we'll be able to get to with, later with the lifecycle manager and say, how do we move this application? How do we move a service offering um, as a unit, even though it spans multiple pieces of the vRealize stack? Uh, so one thing I'd like to talk about is, is what are the roles and responsibilities in DevOps? Um, so we have developers. So the, the developer may work in, they may be the person building the template in vCenter. They may be the person building blueprints and workflows in VRA. They may be doing all of those things. Um, it really kind of depends on how sophisticated the customer is and, and how large their team is. Um, we've, we've seen people who do it all. We've seen people who are very functional. Um, we enable both models. Ultimately, they need to test their offering in their environment. They need to deliver their changes to source control um, where they're, they're, you know, whether they're developing a blueprint or a VRO workflow, it's product code. It needs to be kept to a high standard and, and so they'll build tests around that. And then we have a release manager. Um, so the release manager's job is to code review changes. It's to know what's going out in a, in a given release. Um, so that's knowing, you know, what are the new capabilities? What are the bug fixes that are going out in the release? Making sure that all the things that are, that are supposed to be going to production are, go are going and that, that uh, other things are kept out. Um, and the release manager manages the production release and monitors for bugs and feedback. Um, these two people you see at the bottom are, are personas that we've developed in VMware. Um, Scott's the developer and Shauna the DevOps admin. <clears throat> and you'll see them later in our slides. And, and we treat them we treat them very very real. And, and to us, um, we talk about them a lot actually, because and they fill a very real role in our development process. The the basic workflow here though is in an effort to avoid stepping on each other and having conflicting changes, we'll, we're introducing a methodology called feature branch development. And so um, all of your workflows, all of the things that are in production would be on this master branch at any given time. Uh, and so that's where all the code that's headed towards your production environment is. And so if I'm Scott and I start working on feature, you know, this feature development 30, um, which may be a story in Jira, maybe maybe um, something else that's kept, you know, during an agile sprint. I would create a branch, and that would be based off of the most recent code, um, and I can continue iterating on that in isolation, um, so that no one's stepping on me and I'm not stepping on anyone else until it's done. Um, and at the same time, I can work on another feature. And I do this, follow the same workflow where I would branch the code. I'd be able to iterate on that. And so I might have a check-in that fails its test for some reason. I might have another check-in that fixes all of those things. And once that's green, now this code can be merged into master. And so I only have feature dev 45 going towards production uh, and feature dev 30, I can continue holding on to that until, until it's in a better state and it's ready to go. Um, but this is, this is one of the, the development workflows that, we've, that we're big fans of um, because it allows developers to move from an environment where you might have you know, five or 10 developers all sharing a single, a single VRO. Now, if every developer has, a, has, a new, has their own individual orchestrator, 
they can work collaboratively and safely without having causing conflicts. And so what happens here, and it's not shown in this picture, um, is that when Dev30 is done, um, there would be a merge up to master and, and the conflicts would be resolved at that point and that's where it can be tested um, to make sure that the, the combined functionality works correctly. Uh, it's a pretty simple workflow. It's being used um, and we're, Bob and I actually just got, have been working with a large drug company um, on their implementation of this and they're, they're super excited about this level of, of uh, isolation that they're gonna get because it's going to allow them to scale up their development team and really offer and really enable um, their consumers to have a much bigger role in what are the services that are offered without having to grow out the core IT team. So they're seeing it as, as a force multiplier. So when we talk about bringing an application to production, um, this is a little bit of an eye chart, but you know, we think of it as we, we start out building templates. Um, where we provision the template, we build a customization spec, we customize the template, we install the prerequisites. Um, then someone else comes along and builds a blueprint. <coughs> then, you know, we decide, hey, we need, to, we need to know how to monitor this. So now we go off and we build some dashboards, we build some alerts, we merge all those things to master. Um, and that's where we do testing on, a feature, on our feature branch and then merge to master where we, um, can merge our changes with other features. We can test on an integration system, and then we, um, when it's time, at the end of the sprint, at, you know, at the end of a push to production, we can validate that 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 all those bits got released to production at the, at the right time, and they can move in lockstep. So we're talking about not just one thing, but we're talking about being able to take everything from the template and customization spec in vCenter all the way up through the workflows and packages and orchestrator that will customize it. The blueprints, property definitions, event broker subscriptions and automation, and the dashboards, alerts, metrics, uh, views and symptoms in operations that are necessary to know that, that application's functioning properly. Um, so it's an incredibly powerful way to do this. And it's a way to do it without having to go make changes directly in production. Hope that they work cross your fingers, don't check in right at five o'clock, and then uh, be able to, to sleep well at night. This is how, how all of our teams who are um, doing software as a service development are actually putting their changes into a pipeline, and it looks very similar to, to this, but for, for Java application code. Um, so the developer workflow for Scott is to create a feature branch, develop their content, test locally, capture from their development environment into source control. Um, and then eventually they submit a, a merge request to GitLab. And so that's where Scott's job ends. His code has made it to, uh, to source control. He can start to work on his next task. He stays focused on, on the task at hand. And then Shauna is the one where Shauna picks up all, picks up at that point and takes the merge requests that went into Git. Um, runs test, you know, through the lifecycle manager, can run test, can run the tests on the master branch and know if, if that feature branch is ready to go. Um, tags the captured content as release ready and then can release to production. And if needed, the lifecycle manager gives her a very easy way to roll back those changes. So if it's a template, 
you can revert to the prior version without um, a certain fit without you know fixes or changes in it if it's a VRO workflow or package you can easily roll those back if it's a dashboard or an alert and operations you can roll those back <coughs> and so now recovery isn't a matter of having to go find a fix you roll back and you can come back you can reattempt re the upgrade when there's a fix in hand it becomes you go from having an escalation having a very normal event that can be done um, as time permits. So we do have a question. Yeah. Is this uh, the product and, and all the, the outcomes that you have here, is it back-ended by a certain Git product or is it just using generic Git in the background or you know, what's driving the engine here? It's using GitLab for the time being, although we're working on integrations with GitHub and Bitbucket. Great, thanks. So in addition to the to the wins for, for the developer who now has, has a controlled way of pushing changes through to production, the service owner who knows that um, primarily good changes are getting to, to prod. And when a bad change gets there, there's an easy way to, there's a way to recover in a controlled manner. Um, the release manager who now has, doesn't have, you know, 10 developers pushing whatever random changes they have into prod. Instead, now the release manager knows what's going in, can make sure that the, all the paperwork is dot, done, that users are, are aware of the changes that are coming. Um, they get a lot of visibility, right? So they know what's ready to be released, what's the health of the branch. They know what's, what gets released to production, so you don't have features sneaking their way in. Um, you know what features are still being worked on, you know, who pushed a change um, to follow up and ask, you know, what, why, or how, whatever. Um, you have predictability. Um, so if I have a feature branch that's done, I know how many feature branches are done. I know what their testing status is. I know if they're going to make it into the release. I have agility because now I don't have developers stepping on each other. Um, I can do, you know, very forward-looking feature work safely in, an isol in isolation and keep it from bleeding through into more core functionality, shorter term investments. I can refactor as needed and I can roll back changes um, if I find out that that it either shouldn't have gone and, and that rollback can happen on the feature branch, it can happen before going to production um, and so it can happen throughout this process. Um, and so this is it's a bit more process, but it enables the team to go much faster um, and to develop re develop uh, a platform reliably for the end users and for the consumers. So we look at this as maturity is everything, right? And so we start. We have sort of a we have three models that we look at, and we start with crawl. Um, so we can use the lifecycle manager to manage your content. Um, it's very simple for cat. <coughs> capturing content, um, testing it, and then later releasing it. We can have basic RBAC so that developers can't release into production. That has to be approved. We can have gates in the way. Um, and those could be developers that are using a shared environment. They could also be using um, a dedicated environment. The next step in the model, and it's really an evolution, is taking advantage of the Git managed content. Um, so that's where you start to introduce source control concepts, you start to introduce things like feature uh, feature uh, branches. 
um, you start to do code reviews rather than necessarily having two developers looking over each other's shoulder. Um, it's a bit more matured process. And here, here again, you're using either a shared, dev shared development environment or a dedicated environment. Um, it's kind of up to, to you in terms of how, mu how much infrastructure you want to spin up. And then the most mature, mo <laughs> mature model is um, building, unit building additional unit tests on top of this, your code. And that may be, those may be unit tests for compliance. For example, if, if every VRA blueprint needs to incorporate um, certain standards, it could be uh, looking at VRO workflows and making sure the JS lint passes. It, uh, there are lots of options out there as far as what we do for unit tests. It also um, allows you to alter the release flow within pipelines. So I'd mentioned it earlier, but we have, have a large financial customer in Maryland um, who has done a lot of ex extensive work with this. And actually as part of their release process, they make sure that the feature the developers developed has a story in their task tracker in, in Jira that's in that's in the uh, that's in a working state. So it's not closed. It makes sure that the task exists and that it's open. Um, and all that happens prior to the developer even trying to commit their change. Um, and so they can automate a lot of their process. And they can also use that to up to um, push updates into other systems. And so it's really it, it really becomes part of their end-to-end -end DevOps flow and integrates with the with their development environment and everything else that they're doing. Um, so with that in mind, um, Bobin's going to walk us through the the walk the walk model for this. Um, let me figure out how to throw throw the presenter to him. All right, I think I got it over to him. All right, perfect. I can see you, yep. Bobin. Go ahead, Bobin. You're on mute right now. Am I audible? Yep, I hear you now. Yes. Okay. Uh, good evening, everyone. As Brian introduced, I'm uh, Bavin. I'm working with Brian on the same project. So this is an LCM. I'll straight away jump on a demo because I'm looking at the watch and we have a like a 30 minutes so to demo this thing. So this is a like LCM in that particular LCM, as you can see the content management on the left hand side. So I quickly just take it two minutes to quickly go over all this particular thing. So this is an endpoint. So basically, as Brian mentioned, we are supporting the VLS suites in which we have a different product, like uh, we have a, like a VRA, that VLS automation, VLS orchestrator. We support a vCenter server for a customized specs and a template. We have a VROps, and we use the GitLab as a source control mechanism. So you can add the endpoint from this particular point, uh, whatever contain or whatever endpoint you want to manage, you can add it from here. I'm not going into that particular detail right now. Then after second tab is a contain. So whatever endpoint you have added, after adding those endpoint, you can add the contain. When you are adding an endpoint, you are setting the policy. So basically we are strictly following the model for a capture, test, and release. 
just keep in mind like a software development process developers are writing the code that means they are producing the code so basically we are capturing those particular code then after we are putting a testing around those particular code we are testing on some server like whatever code is written by the developer it's uh, intend to correct or not or something like whatever feature he is writing it's correct or not that is a test phase and last is the release so if everything we are finding good we are releasing that particular code either to the source control or we are like uh, running on a some dedicated server that's a release endpoint kind of thing so same kind of uh, um, analogy we are following here like a capture test a release so whatever endpoint you are adding here what kind of thing you're going to do with that endpoint means endpoint is for a capture test or release now that particular content tab supports here like okay now you are adding the content so when you're adding the content you are specifying okay i'm capturing the content then after what you want to do with that content i want to taste that content and then after you are specifying along with that testing what do you want to do you want to check in that content to the source control or you want to deploy that content to the any of the release endpoint that kind of plan you are specifying here so this is a like we are calling as a, like a single package request in which you are doing like a, you are specifying to our pipeline like okay perform this operation capture the content test the content and deploy the content that's a single package request so this is like a content pipeline definitely we need a pipeline to carry out the whole process kind of thing so this is a pipeline in which as we are following the same model like okay capture test and release so basically whatever you are specifying capture from this endpoint so that particular process is going over here then say suppose you are specifying the like, test the content so that process will carry over and the same thing for a release and in a content settings like uh, we are specifying a few settings one is like a source control access so basically if you're going to use the source control so that particular detail you're going to specify here like okay you're going to connect to this gitlab you're going to acquire the access token from the gitlab that you're going to provide here that will be used here as a source control endpoint and uh, if you are using the vSphere template uh, if you're going to manage the vSphere template, so you need to provide that vSphere template repository. We are using the content library, so that specifically you need to specify over here. Now I'm directly jumping over to the content tab. So basically, one of the slides uh, Brian was showing, like, okay, we have a, like a multi-developer persona kind of thing, or like, say, suppose more than one developers are working on the same content, or not directly, but say, suppose indirectly. So I'm just going to demo first thing that particular use case here, how we handle that use case using this, um, our content management software. So let's drill down into this particular um, capture content. So basically we have a, like a composite blueprint. I capture that content with all the dependency. Then after I, tested that content onto the test environment everything finds good i check in that content to our master branch now from the master branch i capture so i got a like a base copy so basically if i'm a developer i'm starting writing a code what first thing i'll do i'll rebase my branch so that's why i'll be in a sync with the master and my own workspace so same thing i did it over here so i just base it here 
if you go into the version so just quickly show to the like audience like okay so in the version we have like all the contents and we have like all the dependencies so basically you don't have to worry about like okay i'm making a change here what are the dependency for this particular content how would i find that one how would i map it and if i deploy everything as an application to the my release endpoint everything's supposed to work together so that's the beauty of the product basically we manage the whole dependency structure so you don't have to find the dependency one by one and make those change or capture latest or release the latest version is not aligned properly and add, and the result is like if you're releasing on the endpoint it's gonna be a kiosk kind of thing but we manage everything here so let's jump over here so this is a particular like a composite blueprint and in that composite blueprint it has a dependency on a vro and that is a particular dependency so like let's say suppose i'm going directly onto that uh, server this is a vro is a part of that blueprint dependency i'm changing here So now developer is making a change. Now developer is not aware other developer, like other developer is also working on a same content, but it has like an indirect dependency. So this is a, like a dependency. So developer one made a change and it's going and say suppose capturing that content from the server. Here you can specify the tag, like okay, that tag will be used to release the multiple contents in a same sort, like uh, in a single release. As soon as you say capture, the pipeline will be invoked and you can see here the pipeline. So pipeline will start capturing the content and import artifacts into the local repo and that new version will be available. At Meanwhile, I can show you like, okay, this is like a GitLab and this is the repo I created. So basically we have like a Blackstone group and SDT project and under that one, now we are working on a multi-dev branch. As Brian mentioned, like a, we are working like a feature development branch kind of thing. So that's why like you can create a multiple branches and those branches you can add as an endpoint into the LCM. So if you see the endpoint here, so I have like a dev SCM, this is the name, whatever you can assign. If you open that particular one, so you can see like, okay, repository is like a Blackstone slash SDC test and the branch is multi-dev branch. And you can see the one more GitLab endpoint, that is a master branch. So basically that's a particular flow. Developers are developing the content. They are checking everything to the master branch. Everything is looks good. Release manager will merge those particular code into their own branch. And then after, release manager will check out the code from that branch into the LCM. Then after they can test the content onto any of the test endpoint. And if they find okay, they can release that content to the master branch. So that's a flow we are trying to make it here.
So now content has been captured successfully. So this is the version 12 we capture. Now I'm gonna check in that content to the source control. Same way, like a new pipeline will be triggered. So now here, like uh, we already captured. So capture stage will be skipped. Test is also skipped and it will directly run the release stage. And a release stage is like a, like a either check-in or releasing to the endpoint. Here we are making a check-in to the source control. So as you can see, like as we made a check-in, you can see the review request over here. So now release manager can go ahead and review the code and see whether this code is allowed to check in or not. So here, yeah, so here you can see the change like same update here by day two, updates made by day one. So this is a change. Okay, as a release manager, I'm allowing this change. I'm merging into the multi-dev branch. Now, developer two comes in and developer two also making a change onto the same line. This is a basic like a merge conflict scenario kind of thing. But developer two is not aware like, okay, developer one already made a change on that same workflow because developer uh, two is working on this blueprint and as a part of that blueprint it's making a change on that particular workflow so developer one will come uh, sorry two will come here at its place and it will capture the content from the left array and that will be a part of the dependency so basically here is like a developer made a change which is not a direct conflict but it's indirect way it's going to be a conflict to the developer too Same process like a new pipeline will be invoked and it will run the capture from the endpoint. This one will take a little bit uh, more time than last one because it's basically the last capture we made just for a VRO workflow. That's a, like a lower object. But here we are capturing everything from the parent with all the dependencies. So that is gonna capture here and uh, that will be a version 10. So just like uh bear in mind like okay i capture from both the different particular uh content one i capture as a vro workflow which developer made the changes and now i'm capturing the composite blueprint which has a dependency on the same vro which developer two made the changes now while it's getting captured let's go on a so i'm just a little bit doing a sidetrack utilizing the time here so Basically, like uh, as Brian mentioned, we support the various like VLI uh, switch products, and a part of that particular one, we have like a VR ops, as well as we have like a vSphere template also. So basically, you can also use the LCM tool for the versioning of the template, and we use a content library to store that whole template onto the vCenter itself. So that's where it's very lightweight kind of thing. 
it's not gonna like uh, consume the disk space on a local storage kind of thing. It everything on a vCenter and content library will sync those particular library and move the content around. So if you see here on a content, uh, we have like a template. So basically it's been captured on version one and uh, you can deploy and same kind of process and you can check in that template into the source control and uh, you can source control that way also. Let me check. So it's still capturing. Same way like if I do capture, you can mark this production ready. So this is a, like a, another thing. So this is a, like a production ready tab kind of thing. If you select this option, that means the content is marked as a production ready. So whatever endpoint you added, if you mark that endpoint as a release endpoint, so that's the strategy we follow. Only production ready content will be released on the release endpoint. So that's where we are saving the production endpoint. And we are having a like a strict guidelines for a developer and the release manager. So we basically follow that basic first persona like, okay, I'm a release manager. So I should have a like all this privilege in order to protect my production environment, as well as I have to provide the guideline to the developer. Developers should follow this guideline, which developer can't alter. As for example, you are adding an endpoint. And as an endpoint for a GitLab, one of the policy you are setting is like a code review. So as we had seen, as we check in the code, the merge request is getting generated because like we enable the code review. If suppose like a release manager is setting that policy, so developer can't change it. So basically developer is following that strict guidelines. And so Bhavan, in all of this, this allows me to move small, move more smaller changes to prod, right? I don't need to necessarily do a two-week release. I could even move content through to prod as soon as it's ready. Yes, and uh, that's remind us like whatever we worked on that uh, final case, like actually they have like a release model weekly basis kind of thing. So basically they make a small, small changes and uh, they follow the one week of a release process kind of thing. Every Tuesday they release their work kind of thing. So it's very useful for them to like a developer works on their own branches kind of thing at the end of that particular sprint, whatever they call, and they check out those content. And then after they review the content or taste on the QA environment, if everything looks good, they release to the production. So here, so we capture for the dev2. Now dev2 is also using the same branch. Now input all dependency, dev2 contain, and check in. So already we merged uh, day one content. Now day two content is coming on the way, but our LCM is still not like, uh, if you remember, I started a conversation with this particular 
point like this is my rebase so my lcm is not synced with that particular lcm so whatever check-in i'm gonna make that's gonna produce the merge conflict Okay, so basically whatever change I have made it was like uh, Resolved by the GitLab itself That's why it didn't produce the merge conflict, but say suppose So as we're waiting on that, a question of um, if there is yes. this merge conflict or if there's something going on with like what we're looking through here, uh, mm -hmm. how do we push it back into the the environment? So I'm guessing we're going to see that here, but I just wanted to make sure that we looked yes. at it. So basically here is like actually options like uh, we are having. So once you see the merge conflict here, GitLab is allowing to resolve the merge conflict in place so you can resolve the merge conflict and you can commit to change in a GitLab, and then after you can do the reverse process you can check out that code from the GitLab to lcm and push it to the environment other thing is like actually we are having so if you see we are storing like a hash code this is a sha code for the commit so this is the last commit we are having so my lcm is sync with this particular SHA commit. And we allowing like a, within that package, we have like all the files. So all the files are also having the same SHA commit. But if suppose one of the file has a conflict, so we can explicitly check out that file and check into the instance. So that's where we can manage that SHA commit with that much conflict. And developer or whoever is responsible to resolve that conflict will go ahead and make that relevant changes and again check out the file or capture the file from the instance and check into the source control so basically there are two options kind of thing let me explain um, 
so basically one option is here you can resolve in place and you can commit the same changes here in a GitLab. So GitLab will be in a sync or it will be like a conflict resolve. And then after you can capture it to the LCM. And the second option is like, okay, whatever file has a conflict, you can check out that specific file into the LCM. So that's where you can manipulate the SHA for that particular file. And you can check in the, uh, release that file to the instance and make a comparison by looking at the LCM also. Like, okay, what other changes have been made? Does it answer the question? Yep, uh, thank you. The good news in all of this is is that we're really getting down to an infrastructure as code um, operating model for for products that were ne weren't necessarily built around it, um, and so uh, everything that you see ends up being text, and and you can resolve it through um, either through GitLab or if you need to pull it down, you can do that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, of interesting features around being able to pull out the information from the existing endpoints like VRA uh, right. being able to, to just have that and work with it which isn't easy or even I don't know possible without a product like this absolutely and actually other thing is like actually what you so like says suppose is a version I capture and if suppose you want to see that one so here you can see the Contain as well like you can just click any of the file it will download the file and you can view the content here also like okay, you don't have to necessarily go into the instance and Look around kind of thing and as Brian mentioned earlier in one of his slides is like a rollback feature So basically here you can see so here is a thing uh, let me explain here. So this is a, like a we capture the First copy from the production. Okay. This is my good copy that particular thing I deployed onto the developer instances. So basically, okay, developers are like getting a production copy and on top of that, they are putting their own feature. Then after they, as they keep developing, we capture from that developer instance. So this is a, like a third version we capture from the developer too. That particular version, we check into the source control and from the source control, Developer one also check in, developer two also check in. Now we again check out the code from the source control. That is a version four. So this version four we are saying like, okay, it has a developer one and developer two content. Now, first what I will do, I'll taste the content. So I'll taste that content using the test. So basically we test the content as well. So you can specify like, okay, test on this particular instance. You can deploy the content while testing or you can skip that one run the unit test and you can run those unit tests on either we have like embedded vro which comes with the all the basic unit tests or you can extend those unit tests by bringing your own vro so this is an external vro and you can test the content so it will kick off the unit test and run all the unit tests and you will see the result and it will be tested so once the content has been tested you can 
again capture and you can mark the content as a production ready like i verified the content i tested the content everything looks good i'm marking this as a production ready content and you can check in this content into the master branch from the master branch you can again capture and you can deploy onto the production environment so that is the way you can harness all those particular things So Bobin, can you can you swing back to the content page though? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, and go into the different versions of, of one of the blueprints. So one of the interesting parts here is that we can add tags now to them. And we can mark certain versions as production ready. We can mark them as part of, of a bigger application. Um, and one of the features we introduced in, in LCM 2.0 is the ability to um, select multiple pieces of content by their tag and release them all at once. And so now we're not dealing with a single application, we're dealing with uh, the platform as a whole. Yep. So basically like uh, whatever Brian says, like so you can search those things like a proximity content and you can see like here is only the this thing but says suppose like uh you are selecting vra vro vr ops contain and says suppose you are like a club those particular thing you can bring all those different content together and you can do the deploy all together kind of thing so you don't have to go and pick the content one after another and release it you can release all together kind of thing all right and now you get very good traceability and you can inventory exactly what's going into prod for this release and uh, here is like a other thing is like a, we have like a pipeline and this is like a other pipelines are coming out of the box kind of thing and you can extend those pipeline in order to apply some gating rule kind of thing so basically you don't want to release the content before you release or you taste that content onto the qe environment so basically we put a like a gating rule into the like a pre-release cycle so basically pre-release stage is nothing but like uh, when the release zinc content is performing before that it will check whether the same content has been released to the queue environment if it is not then it will fail the pipeline and basically it will prevent somebody to release the without testing the content to the production endpoint so that's where like uh, you can put a more strictness towards like uh, process kind of thing and you can guard your production endpoint as well as you follow the main the agile process kind of thing like okay you develop you test it and then after you release it otherwise not same thing like uh, if you wanted to prevent somebody to capture from the production endpoint directly you can have a, like uh, this pipeline pre-capture you can allow them to put a certain rules kind of thing 
don't allow to capture the taste without notifying me and release manager or uh, administrator will come and unblock the pipeline and allow them capturing. And uh, so I'm just showing like, okay, if you open this pipeline, like this is like a validating capture. So basically you can like uh, enhance or extend this pipeline by having a user operation and I'm just specifying, okay, notify me whenever somebody is capturing from production environment for a VRA, broad VRA. And email me on my email address, so I'll get an email and I'll come here and I'll unblock the pipeline kind of thing. Like, so suppose somebody is capturing. So for that one, sorry, you have to go and uh, you have to enable this pipeline. So as a part of the execution. I kept, sorry, recapture. So as you can see, like the pre-capture pipeline will be invoked. And it will now waiting for a approval kind of thing. And as you can, uh, there will be an email pretty soon out kind of thing. It will send an email to my email address. And as soon as I receive the email, I can come here and I can approve it. Once I approve it, so here is an email kind of thing. Like, okay, capture requested for this particular content from this prod VRA. Once I approve it, it will say like, okay, operation is completed. So pre-capture is done. And now it will allow the somebody to capture the content. So it's like a lot of like a way you can extend this pipeline. You can allow the gating rule. You can prevent some content to be captured. You can, uh, prevent the uh, production to be bombarded with some unwanted content which are not being tested on any of the test environment or something like that or you can just allow certain content which are marked with certain tags only those kind of thing and you can allow restriction on the developers by having like okay developer can't mark the, any content as a production ready so if they can't mark as a content production ready that means they can't release the content onto the production endpoint so these are the particular strategy you can set it. Uh, so is there any question? That, that was pretty straightforward. There are some questions about uh, the architecture overall of the of the environment. Um, so the question was, if I buy a lifecycle manager, what do I actually get? And what do I have to have a GitLab server 
uh, deployed outside of this or is GitLab a part of the virtual appliance? No, GitLab is outside of that virtual appliance. So you have to set up, sorry, Brian. No, I was just gonna jump in and say that, you know, so life, life, the vRealize Suite Lifecycle Manager is a, it comes um, with your vRealize Suite license. And um, we have customers today who are using it with GitLab CE, the community edition. Awesome, yeah, so another question did come in, can it be used of free GitLab? And the answer to that is obviously yes. The answer is yes. Um, there are other goodies if you pay for GitLab, but yeah, no, there's GitLab's really powerful. We've had a few uh, recent videos on that. So a lot of times people want to know the guts of if I buy it or if I download a trial, what am I getting? So it's just always right. good to ask those questions. Yes. All right. Um, there's no other. Uh, questions coming in so do you guys want to plug how people can get a hold of you yeah to you, ask you questions the presenter again i actually have a slide for that there you go so the best ways to get a hold of us um so twitter you can um just you know dm uh, pilot brian um and I'll, I'll help you get hooked up with the right people um, the other thing is, you know, we have a, a VMware community for the Suite Lifecycle Manager. Um, it's relatively new, so it hasn't gotten a ton of traction yet, but, um, you know, it's a great way to engage with, um, you know, throughout the organization with other people who are implementing it. Um, and it gives us a good sense of, of where people are and, and is a good way to, to get to know how you're trying to use the product. Uh, is there trial licensing available on a sign-up page, or is it? Assume you'll have your have the full suite. If you have a suite license, you can just download it from the the normal entitlement download page. Yep. So it's a it's a single appliance. Um, you deploy it with either either two or four CPUs. If you want to use the content management features, um, four vCPUs are required. Um, if you want to use it just to do sort of the traditional suite lifecycle operations like install, upgrade, um, patch and uh, manage certificates, you can do it with only with two CPUs. All right, great. Well, um, thank you guys very much. It was is really eye-opening and cool to see all the DevOps processes that VMware is putting in to, you know, to help get to that infrastructure as code uh, vision. Great, and and we're doing a we're doing a TAM deep dive session for uh, Barcelona on IT DevOps as well. So, you know, if you've cust if folks out there have customers or they're interested in doing it, uh, in finding out more and meeting us, um, we'll be there on Wednesday. Great. Uh, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. So thank you guys for joining us again and I hope to see everyone back next week for another episode of eBrownbag. Bye.